This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Almost police officer and current candidate for state assembly, Shane Del Blum, along with sometimes botanist, often plant lover, and current private investigator, Angus Troop, were in the sewers. Why? They were after the patchwork monstrosity, Piecemeal, who had stolen the Sacra Blue and kidnapped Dora Lopez, Shane Dell's campaign manager. Ugh, this is the waste I've seen the sewers. You've been here? Oh, yeah, when I was trying to be full officer of the NYPD, they used to make me scrub the sewers below police plaza. I used to it was to build character, but now I think it's because they were just a bunch of schmendrecks. Yeah, most people are, it seems. And here we are. I'm not even sure if I want to do this. Be in the sewers? Be a private detective, a bugger, as Eugene would say. Oh, but it's such glamorous work. Look where you've ended up. It's just, no matter what I'm doing, it doesn't seem right. I always hope if I just do something, it'll make sense. I'll be fulfilled. But I still want more. The botany was to fill the the urges inside me. And I, I found it worked to a point. But even that, it took my eye, it took my hand, and I love plants. I mean, you know. I do know. And, and it does make me happy, but I, I don't want to be in a lab. I don't want to study them in some... It's not academic, what I feel. And this, I like helping people. But you see such darkness, the crime... I saw a whale explode. And now this. Does it end? I don't think it does. But when you had those feelings for the plants, was it? Doesn't it make life harder? Hiding made it harder. Even with the judgment of people, it's better to be honest with yourself. I'm not saying take out an ad in the Herald Tribune, but at least in your room. By yourself, or with a spider plant. You don't have to hide from yourself. You're still not happy, though. But I'm happier. Dora, she... She's a good campaign manager, and... And I think about her, and I think that without her, I just couldn't... Campaign nearly as well. And I think sometimes I just want to campaign with her all the time. But... People don't like that, and they don't understand, and I didn't even think that you could campaign like that, and then you campaign with her, and it just feels right, and you realize that maybe you've always been campaigning like that, and just never realized, and you want to, but campaigning with her maybe for a long time, and you're scared of that kind of campaign that leads to. I, I don't, I don't really know much about politics. Right. But if you enjoy campaigning, you should campaign, even after the election. And if you win that race, you should go up there and hit the gong and put those laws into the tubes and spin that wheel. You really don't know anything about politics. It's a blessing and a curse. I never considered it. I was just so focused on my career and trying to help that... 
What if people don't like me? People don't like you already. I, what? I mean that is a good thing. We want people to like us. That's natural, and for women, it's ingrained in us from a young age. But people will hate you for nothing. For irrational dumb reasons. So if they hate you for something you can't control, then let them hate you for something that at least brings you some joy. So it's okay if people hate us. Well, not me. I'm great. Everyone loves me. Oh, look! There's some marks on the wall! He must have gone this way. And as Angus and Shandell chased down one villain, another villain was with the injured Eugene in his living room. The mastermind of Onesimus Sweets, Cato Beach. Oh, look at you in your drugged-up stupor. You wouldn't remember this conversation even if you lived. Oh, you have a bottle of wine. May I? Me hurt. <laughs> oh, me hurt indeed. Ah, mm, a nice Madeira. In vino veritas. You might think I created all these companies to become rich, for profit. But no, my motives are more noble, though the money is nice. Born into slavery, but I educated myself. I tried the normal methods to fix the world, but I was barred. Sometimes by overt racism, but often by people who claim to be progressives. They'd invite me to their clubs, their societies, but they wanted a mascot, not a member. They'd pat me on the head and do nothing. All these aid societies that would talk about problems but do nothing. They feared actual action. Snackshin. <laughs> yes, snackshin. <laughs> exactly. That is what I made. Of course, it would draw too much attention for me to front the company, so I found a name. I was reading a paper and saw a name in the obituaries. Flavius Flavors. I mean, it's a wonderful name. <laughs> the name you can build an empire on. But why, you might ask. But what? Close enough. What drives the horrors of this world? The want to explore. To colonize. To strip resources. But what if mankind didn't want to leave? What if we could satiate man, give him no reason to conquer? Panem et circenses. I created all these high-calorie, high-fat foods to make man lazy, fat, to slow him down. And of course, the health risks don't hurt. If a man is fat on chocolate and cheeseburgers, he doesn't want to explore. He doesn't want to subjugate Africa or Ceylon. He stays at home. And I also created entertainment, board games, card games. I have several in development. The only way to save the world is to keep people home. Alexander the Great would be nobody if he just left it alone. The spread of disease, of slavery, of all of it. Now, of course, growing all that cocoa is an issue, but for the greater good. If I can make us stationary, think of what can be saved. Now, I didn't expect that Detective Hawthorne and the Blasted Prune Consortium to try and stop me, but he's easily distracted with vice. Oh, but you, hmm. You and Angus are the holy fools, always pushing forward. But do you know what happened to the fool in Lear? Happy. The fool is hanged. And yes, maybe that was about Cordelia, not the actual fool, and the fool really sort of disappears from the back half of the play, which is a bit sloppy, but Elizabethan drama is full of dangling characters, repetitive speeches, and direct appeals to the audience. I'm more an Aristotelian myself. But the truth still stands. 
The fool dies. Cato reached into his pocket and took out a small bottle of acetone. It's amazing how fast acetone burns. Such a sad accident it will be. Now, where are your candles? Cato checked the cabinets while simultaneously in the sewers. It seemed Angus and Shandell were getting close. Hey, come here, look. Footprints. But just then, a gate behind them swung shut. Welcome to your doom. <laughs> How do you like that? A bit Count of Monte Cristo. No, it's not. Fine. How about this? Suddenly, several gas torches flared to life. Tied and hanging from a rope in the middle of the lair was Dora. She was gagged and blindfolded. <gasps> Dora! This is right out of the Thief of Dayton. I'm trying! <laughs> you people are the worst! Why do you know so many books? Let her go! No! I know you've hunted me across the years. I never even heard about you until today. My crimes are famous. I stole the vellum from Yale. What, Yale? What vellum? Yale is one of those schools where they don't let you in. Because I'm a woman or because I'm Jewish? Uh, officially the first, but the second doesn't help. I know you've been chasing me ever since I stole that loaf of bread and then escaped. I adopted a young girl, Cosette. And hid myself, but they found me. You were that inspector on my trial. Not me. Uh, Then who who was it with me on the uh, barricade? Oh, that sounds familiar. I think I read that in the... No! No, I did it first. Only why must everything I do have been done? I was born in a troop and live in a cliché. I didn't ask for this life of being a retread. Horrible! Oh, here we go. What? Oh, the part where the villain reveals his tragic backstory. You see, I was created on a dark and stormy night. Oh. I know. My creators were very unimaginative. They brought me to life instilled with a natural knack towards unoriginality. They tried to get me to act like everyone else, but I rebelled. I ran away, but I was a brute, unaware. Then an old man took me in, taught me to read, but then I killed him, (laughs) of course, and buried him below the floorboards, but for the beating of his hideous heart kept tell-telling me. It was then. Then I decided to find my unique place in the world. So I went to Paris, where I hid below the opera house and taught a young ingenue to sing. But it didn't go well. So I went to London, where I was Jack in the country and Ernest in town. Then I came back to America. I rode raft down a river with a young boy. I had a relationship with a housekeeper while I kept my other wife in the edit. I wore scarlet hay. I don't remember why. I hunted a white whale. I was a scrivener. 
But I'd prefer not to talk about it. I met another patchwork man who looked like me. But then he took my place on the gallows. That was the best of times, but also the worst of times. I got involved with some pickpockets. I was an artful dodger. I charmed the Marquis of Stein with my shreds. I whitewashed a fence. Then I ended up in England, settled down. And I was handsome, clever, and rich, with a comfortable home and a happy disposition. And I'd lived in the world with very little to distress or vex me. But then George Knightley, don't get me started. Then I wandered, ended up at Stonehenge with my friend Tess and her sister. She's killed for something, and then I was in Russia, and that was a bunch of war Enough, enough of your living in endless rehash of other better literary versions of the same adventures. But you see, I've done nothing, Ernie. Lots of things have been done before. That's not a tragic backstory. It's a fine life. You've done a lot. Just enjoy that. You're just a mewling, tantruming child. <laughs> bad for me. I'm a man. Proud, moody, cynical, with defiance on his brow. And misery in his heart, a scorner of his kind, capable of deep and strong affection. Isn't that something? That's just a Byronic hero, and they're the worst. But I'm an artist! I'm great! I must create something unique! Look! Look! Here's my poem. Just my pure, most original verse. Roses are red. Violets are blue. You're a hack. It's fine. I'm sure you can have a great career writing for the stage. Most playwrights just use other people's old ideas. They make plenty of money. It's not about the money, honey. It's legacy. It's legitimacy. So you turn to crime. I turn to everything. I'm piecemeal, the patchwork man. I'm trying to make it work. Except every idea you have is banal and cliché. It's not my fault. My creators imbued me with a boring brain, the hands of a poser, the shoulders of banality, the pedestrian feet of a pedant. It's not fair. I should be first. What do you actually do, huh? What are you actually making? Untie Dora, now, and return the whatever it was. The sacre blue? Yeah, just do that. You're right. So you'll let her go? No. I'm a hack. A cliché beyond saving. Now I guess I'll just cave in the whole layer and kill us all. Oh, well. And with that, piecemeal grabbed the load-bearing keystone, keeping the whole layer together. But back at Eugene's home, Cato Beach was tearing the place apart, looking for some candles. Finally, he found them with the spoons. Huh. Well, that makes very little sense. Ka-cold. Well, you will be very warm very soon. But 
There's no need to be cruel. Ah, here's a blanket. Ew, what are these stains? Ugh. Anyway, here. Oh, you seem to like it. Snuggling with that wretched wrapping. Resistant snug. Ah, sure. Soon, all my hard work will germinate. It's best to cultivate many seeds. Some come to bear fruit, others die in the dirt. But if you plant enough, you'll be able to reap. And I'm quite proud of my fare of past and future. Sure, the rhombus of progress is not everything I hoped. Had to cut back on some bass reliefs. But at the fair, I will give out free samples of over 70 sugary, high-fat, addictive snacks. Snacks that will sate the public. And the free giveaways of games and toys to keep them occupied. A reason to stay put. To explore the bottom of a bag of potato crispies instead of the jungles of Peru. All of it will come to bear at the fair. And with the governor forcing everyone to go, <laughs> there's no stopping me. Now, Eugene, once this candle burns down to the pile of acetate, this whole building will go up in smoke and flames. And you will be in a better place. Cleveland? Uh, in a way. An eternal Cleveland, if you will. Igne natura renovator integra. Goodbye now. Cato turned to leave. But before he did, he turned back. Maybe out of guilt or genuine feeling. He pulled the blanket over Eugene's head, almost as if he wanted to hide what he was doing. But in the sewers, Piecemeal wanted all the attention as he was about to bring the whole lair crashing down. And so ends all of- Wait! What? Bringing down a whole lair on your enemies? It's very Samson in the Temple of Dagon from the Bible. It's an ancient, been there, done it, that. But here's something unique, huh? Something that has never happened. The bad guy unties the damsel in distress and lets the hero go and maybe even pays for lunch. That would be an original event? Totally, completely. Oh, yes! Wondrous! <laughs> so piecemeal untied Dora and let her go. She quickly took off the blindfold and gag. What? Oh, oh. He even put cotton in my ears. I couldn't hear any of that. Also, this gag tastes like rats, and not the good kind. Are you all right? Eh, I've been better. Let's get out of here. Let's. But you know what's funny? Letting us go like that. Did you read the story in Collier? Stop! What? Don't, with the story! Oh, what story? The Double Cross, I think it was called. The hero gets the villain to untie the girl who got kidnapped, and then paid for their lunch. What? This is just like that story. What strange kiss met, right? You tricked me! This is an original! Everything! Everything under the sun has been done! I'll get you all. I know it's not a trait to be tricked, but have you ever been hit with an artificial hand? That's actually a funny story, you know. Uh. Ow! You hit me. Yeah, because I know deep down you're like all artists, a big talker with nothing to back it up. I can take you. I'm not afraid to hit a woman. Good. Yeah! This is just like that novel, the... I know. But isn't it? It's kind of a thing with him. Actually, it's like his only thing, and it's getting stale. I got you. Let me go. I'll let you go in jail. How about instead? We get all wet and sticky. Ew. Horrible. Is that a sexual thing? Uh, oh. Oh, no. No, no. No. <laughs> you, 
You're fine. You're fine. You're just... You're not my... I wouldn't with you. Me neither. That... That wasn't... I wasn't trying to... It was very inappropriate. I meant rather with the water. The, the little sewer canal that runs through the lair. I was going to pull you into the water. Oh. Oh, maybe it's your mind that t- turned it into something vulgar. Oh, you blame the victim. Uh, no, that, wait, victim of what? All this crime? Oh, right. This is a strange fight. Reminds me of my parents, Abyssal. Uh, should we keep fighting? After that, I mean, it's just sort of... I'm afraid you're only doing it to get... You know. It wasn't that! I, I meant the water! The sewer! Right. Enough! We'll both go over the falls, locked in combat. That's not. But Andrus was interrupted by piecemeal, who grabbed her and fell with her into the sewer river that ran through the lair. Not unlike when Holmes and Moriarty fell from Reichenbach Falls. Only it was a sewer and slimier. Ooh, that's no good. Wait! I wanted to tell you something. What? Shandell grabbed Dora and kissed her deeply. Oh. When he grabbed you, all I could think was, I would give everything if she was safe, and I was holding her, and I just want to kiss her all over. I missed you too, mi amor. But we should do this somewhere less sewery, and before that, we should rescue your friend. Right. Angus! Angus flailed in the dark, roiling waters, but soon was pulled under by a whirling eddy. As across the city, Eugene's brownstone burned. The Landwell Murders is a Roy Gold production. It was written by Jonathan A. Goldberg with music by Matt Roy Berger. It was directed by James Oliva and mixed by Martin D. Fowler. Editing help by Hannah Fairchild. Tell a friend to tell a friend to listen. And then make them listen. Not in a creepy way, but in a cute, oh my god, I'm so weepy deepy creepy. Like, can you believe I locked you in this room with this podcast? I'm so weird, like, right? Whatever, oh my god. Way. You get it. Legally, this is parody. Legally. Hey, also stay caloric and always saturate towards sucrose. Charismatic megafauna? Doesn't do it for me. No. No, but the, the charismatic megaflora. <laughs> if you can find me a big flower, I tell you what. <laughs> the Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.